Hey everybody, on this week of Guys Talking Sports, we're going to wrap up with the uh, double NC tournament and how Villanova made out in the big game. Talk about NFL offseason and if OBJ is going to get traded or not. And then we talk about the beginning of MLB baseball and um, if the Yankees are going to do anything this season, if the Phillies are still going to suck. This week of Guys Talking Sports. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Guys Talking Sports. I'm here with my boys Al and uh, Big Ace. How are you guys doing tonight? Feeling good, feeling lucky. It's Wednesday. People, go see Acrimony. Damn good movie. But anyway, shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> Man, you the money for that. Forget the shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it's much better than I thought. But, you know, another conversation for another day. <laughs> Keep promoting that. We'll probably get paid off of that. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Janzo, Janzo. You know, <laughs> CBS stores. <laughs> Yo, you know, I, uh, never mind. I, I um, what's going on, everybody? Um, really interested again to talking with some of the stuff that's going on in the sports today. So I'm ready. Uh, yes, yeah, so we're going to get back into that. So we're going to touch on a couple of topics. Of course, uh, you know, baseball has kicked off its opening um, week this week. So a lot of you know, exciting games going on. Um, of course, football. I mean, this offseason has probably been one of the most uh, interesting football offseasons probably in the last couple of years. But first, we're going to touch on the NCAA tournament, Bill of a Wildcats, who I actually predict to lose to Virginia in my pool. And I won that pool. Only by default. Why <laughs> <laughs> ain't nobody left? <laughs> basically, basically. <laughs> but Virginia had a had a had a really good game against uh, Michigan, and uh, the boy I'm not going to give it. I'm going to say Dante D <laughs> from Villanova um, torched them for 31 points off the bench. Lit up Michigan. They had no answer for the kids. So, I mean, this tournament is actually um, a lot more interesting than I think anybody probably figured, but after the first, you know, the first uh, opening rounds of some of the early upsets, I think things sort of kind of start to settle down with your teams who you expected to be in the mix and not, and I guess for Villanova, you know, they had a very experienced squad, their second championship in three years, so guys, what are your takeaways from this um, NCAA tournament pass? Um, uh, oh, okay, I, I'll go ahead and start. Um, Probably one of the more exciting tournaments, uh, probably within the past five to ten years, just due to the to the uh, the uh, I guess the player talent being at the the uh, the top one percent of or whatever the top echelon of college players, you know, only the one and dones made it so it was more competitive playing field for those schools who had uh, folks who were there for three to four years, you know, two to four years, um, depending on the university. Um, got to tip my hats to Villanova uh, for going out there and really uh, pretty much spanking everybody that they came across. I think they beat everybody by double digits. Um, nobody really gave them any sort of uh, a test outside of West Virginia. And I'm not, I'm not throwing a uh, shameless plug out there, but this, 
the style of defense that West Virginia played versus Villanova, nobody was really really giving them any sort of a threat. Um, Michigan played well with them, say, the first 10 to 15 minutes of the game. But then Villanova took that run of that 24 to 5 run to end the quarter going into the second half, pretty much just pulled away. Um, so I got to tip the ass to Villanova. The city of Philadelphia has really been partying a lot lately. Um, too bad. Uh, the Sixers probably aren't going to do anything, get too far into the playoffs. And the Flyers, nah, I don't think they're doing anything in hockey. Damn string up in the Phillies. So, you know, let the Eagles and Villanova uh, carry the city over in that championship, uh, championship runs and hopefully – Look forward to another great college basketball season coming this November. Well, sorry, this October. I I don't know about um, Philadelphia just yet. Don't write them off as far as the playoffs is concerned. Um, I, it, it's, it, to me, it's a whole different ball of wax when you got to play a team for a seven-game series as opposed to going from team to team. Teams can adapt. I'm not saying they won't get out the first round. It's very possible. But I doubt they'll make any serious contention to represent the East in the finals. I don't know about that. I'm not, I'm not saying finals. I'm saying they will make enough noise where Philly would be satisfied <laughs> if I throw another party and go on. Oh. <laughs> Playoff participating party? Yeah, there you go. Playoff participation. <laughs> no, nah, but... um. I, I I also I said this before about the NCAA being the way that it was. Um, there was still excitement. There was a, a lot of excitement um, heading into the game. Um, but then again, like Earl said, you know, once Villa Villanova started to make that run, that was just basically it. But you know, it is what it is when you're dealing with a team that has the experience factor like Villanova has of all those returning like juniors and you know upperclassmen. Um, I should say, um, coming back and, you know, doing what they did. Two championships out of three years is very impressive for Jay Wright. Um, Villanova is going to be a team to be reckoned with going forward. But I think overall, their um, team, the whole championship run for them was very impressive. Um, it wasn't like the fact that they beat teams handily. It wasn't really a close game throughout that whole run that they had. So um, it was very convincing. And even though I still like the balance of so many teams um, being upsets, um, the, the, the amount of upsets that they were, I still think that the better team won. And we knew for a fact that Villanova was going to be up there, whether, you know, from even the preseason. So we'll see how things go for the next season going forward. But I think Villanova did – a very good job of doing what they were supposed to do, and that was basically just taking over when they need to to win the championship. So, I also want to tip my hat to Jay Wright, um, just for not conforming with other blue bloods and trying to get trying to get those one and dunners and getting the right kids to fit his program and fit the mold and style of play that he wants for um, for his team. Um, that D. Vicencio kid, uh, he's going to be a junior next season. That boy's going to be nice. <laughs> I mean, they, Villanova's, Villanova might be losing uh, Brunson and that other kid. But um, 
they're loaded. That, that their center, who's dominant, dominant in the paint, but still could pull up and knock down threes. I mean, they knocked down threes like it was going out of style. Like I never seen a team that could sit there and hit forty-five plus percent three uh, uh, three pointers every game. I mean, they're hard to stop because they stretch you and you know stretch your defense out so far, and you know pretty much one through five can knock down a trade. I mean, it's very hard for teams to defend that. So, yeah, look at Kansas. Kansas got to the one point where it was like, "We doing the best deal we can." They just pulling up, you know, from way behind the arc. It's like when you're just making those shots. It's like you're playing the computer in like you know NBA 2K. It's just like on the rookie level. I just can't. I just can't win. <laughs> right. Exactly. One of those Michael Jordans when you just be like. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think that this, uh, the March Madness was very exciting. I think the first weekend with all the, um, the upsets, I mean, I think you needed that to kind of keep some people engaged. Um, I think if it was basically just a complete whitewash of the all the top teams beating all the lower seeds, you know, then I think it might have been kind of boring-esque. But I think that Virginia going out early as it did, North Carolina, Kentucky, I mean, just some of those names that just – took early exits before you even got to the Sweet 16. I mean, I think it made more people stay tuned. I mean, Loyal Chicago, for a lot of people that didn't want to see him at the championship game, I mean, a lot of people were tuned in and seeing what was going to happen. And, you know, for a better part of that game, Michigan was looking <laughs> very, very right. shook. Right, right. Until like about midway to that fourth quarter when it just seemed like, you know, I don't know, it just seemed like they just flipped the switch and, you know, Loyal Chicago just couldn't make a bucket and pretty much – you know, that was it. But, but I agree. I mean, I think uh, testimony to Jay Wright, you know, keeping kids, you know, I always wonder whether or not his kids stay because they want to stay or they stay because they didn't <laughs> were going to be higher prospects in the NBA draft. So, I mean, um, I guess you kind of have to see. I mean, I'd be curious to see if, uh, you know, Brunson is going to, you know, you know, get picked up in the league if he goes, if he turns, um, goes into the draft. Or, you know, what about the um the junior forward? Um Eric um what's his name? Pashal? Mm, right, right. Yeah. Well uh, they only talking about Brunson, like as far as I know, as far as what I've seen in my drafts. You know, Brunson the national player of the year, so of course he's gonna get some looks. Um but shoot, don't know if it's gonna turn around. I think they're gonna be like they're going to start becoming some of those blue bloods like the Kentuckys where they don't, they just reloading. They're not necessarily, you know, trying to get back to where they were. They, they got plenty of talent where I think next year they can be just as nice if they get one or two key pieces that can come off the bench. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm truly believe Dante DiVincenzo, it's Benetton's name. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely think um, he's going to be starting next year. Um, not coming off the bench, but I mean, I mean, 31 points off the bench. I mean, I was watching some of that. I mean, he was lighting them up. I mean, Michigan had no answers for them, but in the same token, that their big kid, uh, Wagner down low, he had mismatches the entire game and they just stopped giving him the ball. I mean, that part I just don't understand is anybody that put on him was a severe mismatch. And when he did get the ball down in the paint in the block, Villanova was small. They had nobody to do anything for them, but they just went away. And then once Villanova started making them shots and um, DeFacino started carving them up, they just went away from Wagner, and that was pretty much the ball game. To me, I think the last 
five minutes of the second, the first half. I think Michigan just couldn't recover from after that. Right. I mean, when once Villanova gets hot, they start knocking down threes. It's a wrap. It's like they play from the outside in. They don't even play from the inside out. You know, because then they'll you, they'll start knocking down threes, and then you'll start to come out the perimeter to try to guard them. And the next thing you know, they got a die, a dude slipping to the basket. Boom! They get easy layups. Crafty. Very crafty. Crafty. It's almost. They almost kind of fun. It kind of reminds me of Houston, um, the Rockets, how they play um, with their inside and out with the super, I mean, with the added of their center shooting threes. Um, kind of reminds me of that um, in a way. It's like the seven seconds are less offense where everybody's shooting jumpers and threes in a way. It's, it's way this, the NBA is going right now. So. Yeah, it's 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 a small ball. Small ball is greatest. Everybody wants to be like the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> nobody wants to play uh nobody wants to play the four and five no more, huh? No. Because <laughs> everybody wants to stand behind and, and jack up shots and be one on one like this like it's AAU basketball, which is basically what college basketball has turned into. Without question. Without question. Well, uh, would you say more of the bigger programs, not so much the mid-majors? Or do you think the mid-majors, too? The big programs more so than the mid-majors. I don't know. Um, because I can actually see the mid-majors. They don't have, like, the big, the real true bigs like the powerhouse colleges do. So I can see, like, mid-majors who have six, nine centers shooting threes to, to open up the spacing um, of the court. I, 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 to be honest, I could truly see that. I just don't see them, like any 6'9 centers going into the paint, posted up like seven-foot powerhouses, you know, from other teams like Duke, or, you know, for example. So I could actually see them playing smaller ball. Um, whether or not that offense works for them is another thing. Right. So I got a question way too early, probably way, way too early to even give it much thought. But if you had to predict just based off of what you've seen in this tournament, if you had to predict the final four for next year, just considering who you, who you know is going pro versus what's coming back, if you had to predict the final four, this is for shits and giggles, what would your final four be? Hmm. <laughs> if uh if I in the spirit of being with the one and one and duns, ah to be honest, I can't even answer that question because I would like to see who's all going and who's all staying. I think that's really what's more important. Whoever stays will have the experience factor. Um I to be honest, we, we already seen how well the one and duns are at this point. They don't really get that far. And it looks like the more experienced players are going a little bit more farther than, you know, than, than being recognized. So I would put whoever has the most experience into the final four, at least for my opinion. I mean, Duke has, I mean, of course you have all the up incoming freshmen um, that's out there. That's supposed to be the, the, the new, the new blood. Um, I just don't see them in game to game situations, making it to the final four, all the way to the final four. 
Yeah, I couldn't answer that question either. I mean, it's too unpredictable. I mean, you saw how many of the, the, the top teams were bounced out before the Sweet 16. I mean, Virginia, the, the number one seed overall, got bounced out by number 16. So I couldn't even make that prediction. It, it could very well easily be Villanova next year as number one seed, and, it, and they could be the ones bounced out. It's, it's like I said, you won't really know until you see with over the next couple of days, you know, a week or so, who's staying and who's going where. But um, if you looked at the McDonald High School All-American game, the rich still get rich. <laughs> yeah, true. So, yeah, true. I mean, those top guys, if they lose, they're going to lose people. But, you know, I guess the top 25 guys in, um, you know, out of um, McDonald's All-American game is going to the normal top 10 teams. So it's like, I think Duke has, what, number one, three, and a, and a nine going to their school. So, I mean, come on. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Oh, oh, here's, here's a question. Um, shout out to uh, uh, the ladies of Notre Dame for winning the women's NCAA uh, tournament. And to shout out to, uh, I can't pronounce her last name, but um, for hitting those two daggers in the semis and in the championship game to uh, propel her team to the championship. Um, I, I, I kind of just wanted to touch on that just for, you know, coming down the stretch where I thought where the chick from Mississippi State who had that easy layup where she blew it at the end and then the sequence when Notre Dame turned the ball over, Mississippi State's pushing it up the court, old girl from, from Notre Dame fouls the girl with the ball and then the girl who missed the chippy layup ended up fouling the chick and stopped him from getting the easy layup uh, to end the game. I thought that, in a nutshell, I thought Mississippi State kind of got hosed in that situation. You know, uh, I know the refs wanted to let them play to kind of determine the game that way, but that was kind of a real blatant foul that you do. You just can't overlook that. It's you don't want to use a foul to you know foul shots to determine. A winner, but in that case, it was just so blatant. And I, and I, and I feel for those girls because you know I think they really squandered the opportunity that they had, <laughs> considering the last forty-five seconds in the game. Yeah, Arike, and I can't pronounce the last name, so I'm not going to do. It. I just call her, you know Arike O. <laughs> put the put the dagger in, in UConn, and, and shout-outs to a. Uh, Gino for being really this smug and dismissive of getting bounced out twice <laughs> by last minute shots. I mean, the the look of of just disbelief and just smug arrogance was just <laughs> was priceless. He just like <laughs> I'll take it every year. You know what? Let you guys go forty and over uh, thirty eight and over and losing a losing the uh, Final Four. I'll take that every year. That's good. That's good for women's basketball. <laughs> not good for the, uh, not good for the Big East, but uh, very good for women's basketball. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think they needed to be brought down to Pega too, because I think the cocky arrogance of him is just, has just gotten too big. Someone asked him when he ever tries Marquette going to the NBA, but uh, no, nah, I think he wants to stay where he is. Why, why be, why go to a big pond and be little fish and you can be the big fish in a little pond? Right. Um, T, 
I, 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 hmm. I, I will say that shouts to Arike <laughs> you know, for being very Kobe Bryant about this, this situation. Um, Mamba very clutch with that. Very clutch with that. And we talked about this the last week because we, we already had UConn win it to right. win the championship. So we <laughs> all had eggs on our faces with that. That's a safe bet, usually. <laughs> yeah, usually it is, it is a safe bet. I, I, hey, I would it like this. They can go – they can repeat the same performance. I'm going to pick on them to win anytime soon. Um, but let me ask you a question. Is that more on the legacy because they can't close out um, the championship runs, um, the runs that they have? Is it, you know, yeah. is that a tarnish to their legacy because they couldn't close out? Nah, in my opinion, I just think that there's emerging, emerging programs out there that have just as good a talent as UConn. It's just that UConn plays a crappy, crappy uh, conference. Not crappy per se, but they're the class of their conference. But it's obvious that Notre well, Notre Dame is in their conference. No, Notre Dame's in the ACC now. Um, it's uh, it just goes to show that there are other programs out there, albeit a, a, a handful, that can sit there and go toe to toe with UConn. And when they meet those teams, they seem to not get it all together. But it's not like not like they're playing poorly. It's just last two times they lost some big time shots. You know, I don't know if it's a little bit of luck or it's just a little bit of whatever, but last two years just ain't been UConn's time considering they've won X amount of games in a row. I think even last year was just a, a, a little bit more bittersweet just because they had won like 109 in a row or something like that. Yeah. And uh, South Carolina, oh, no, it was Mississippi State last year that stopped them. And I think South Carolina ended up winning the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think last year is a little bit better. It felt it felt better last year because it was just snapping that streak versus this year. It's just like now you got a set of players at UConn that hasn't won a championship in two years. I, I don't know how that feels for them. Oh, before, boy. <laughs> <laughs> boy, they, they really feel bad. But um, no, I, I agree. I think that um, it's not a tarnish in the legacy. I mean, you know, they've you know been in the mix you know four years prior so i think though however if this becomes a uh, a trend and not a blip you know if this starts happening more frequent or they if they make an early exit out of the tournament um then i might it's not as tarnish on their legacy but i think you can start seeing that 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 empire if you want to call it the yukon starting to slip so um I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be very, very interesting. But if I had to say who's going to be in a final four from the women, I'll put in UConn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's playing with house money right there. <laughs> I, can darn, yeah. I can darn guarantee that one. <laughs> I put Mississippi State there, too. <laughs> Mississippi State, Notre Dame, South Carolina. Yeah, you, that, you'll have you'd be a lot more confident in the team in the women's side than you are with the men's side. That's fine. oh, but yeah, but to, to bring that up, the question I had earlier this was either earlier this week or late last week, how the one young lady from UConn is coming out as a junior, declaring for the WNBA. Now that's news to me. I don't, I, I don't, 
I, I will be very honest to say I don't follow women's basketball, women's NCAA basketball that tough. Mm-hmm. But I don't recall ever seeing a girl come out early to go play pro for women. Not to say it doesn't happen. I just was I was really kind of taken aback. Like, wow, okay, this is it's getting serious. I guess they're really starting to play, starting to pay these uh, the ladies. Um, better wages, better salaries, you know, if they're willing to exceed their eligibility um, for, you know, to forego their last year of college to then go pro. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And she's going to start the trend. Um, she's going to set the trend, I should say. Um, you'll probably see more people starting to do that. Um, more women starting to do that a lot more. Um I wouldn't say like maybe soft after their freshman year, but I would say their junior, senior year, you'll probably see that. I mean, their junior year, I could definitely see a couple more people declaring for the NBA, especially, I mean, the WNBA, especially if they're setting records or trends. Um, <clears throat> like I forgot the girl from Mississippi State um, who was leading the, 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 the tournament in reboundings. Like I could see that happening where she could go into the WNBA. Um, setting records. Um, so there are some, you know, I could see that actually starting. Yeah. I, uh, the, the money's not there yet, but once the money gets there, once the money gets there, um, then you can definitely see team, um, players jumping early. But like you said, it's going to set a trend and eventually you might see a few more go and then you're going to be looking at the same kind of situation that on the men's side, but I mean, the money is not there. The millions aren't there yet. But if it was, trust me, it would be a lot of girls rolling after their freshman year if they could. Just believe that. True. We're going to switch gears here a little bit. So, of course, one of the, the big hottest thing is the Patriots traded Brandon Cook to the Rams for a first round and a third round, and they sent their fourth round pick over to the Rams. L.A. is in a win-down mode, most definitely. So this means that OBJ, for the moment, Staying, staying home. So, uh, guys, what do you think about the, the trade? And do you actually think the Giants are going to trade OBJ? Uh, uh, go ahead. I, I defer. <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I don't see them doing it now. Um, they may wait. I mean, they may – if they don't do something by the draft, I just don't see them doing it. Um, I don't think – like we talked about before about them they, – they, I don't think they have – an. I don't think teams have enough pieces to entice the Giants to trade Odell Beckham Jr. <clears throat> now, it's funny, though, that Brandon Cooks, though, was able to get traded with no problem. So I see the Giants standing firm on this one. Um, although it might be more beneficial for them, I could honestly see them standing pat with OBJ and making the marriage work. I can see Eli, you know, defending, fighting for him to stay as well. So. Um, hmm. Do I still think Cooks gets traded? I'm sorry, um, OBJ. OBJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I do. And the reason why I say that, because I still think there is somebody out there willing to come remotely close to, to the Giants' action price. Um, 
I'm not saying that I'm not saying that uh, a team is going to be willing to give up two first round draft picks because um, I don't see that. Uh, again, OBJ is a very talented player, once in a generation type of receiver. Um, but I don't think he warrants warrants at least two first round draft picks. Um, but with that being said, uh, LA was a strong suitor, but there's still a lot of talks out there that possibly mean that um, the 49ers and a couple other teams might be interested in trading for OBJ. But for what it's worth, um, I'm more interested. I, I, you know what? I'm all thinking that it OBJ might get traded depending on if the Giants trade down on their number two pick in this upcoming draft. I think that will be the deciding factor whether or not OBJ gets drafted or not. Because if the reports are saying that um, Buffalo really wants to get up to that number two spot to get their, their quarterback, and that's going to push – and the Giants are willing to take on – I think Buffalo now has – I forgot what I read, to be very honest. Um, but Buffalo was willing to mortgage the farm to get that number two spot. That gives the Giants the flexibility to then pick up two first-round draft picks, I would believe. Possibly. Buffalo has two and, picks in the, um, in, in the first round. Right. So they would swap their, I think their fifth or sixth or seventh, whatever pick for the second pick, and then they give them all, give them the, uh, so I think if that being the case, I think the, the, the Giants might be willing to part ways because then they might be able to find a dynamic receiver. They may go after Ridley um, in Alabama or the kid, uh, Cortland, I forget the kids, uh, Cortland, I think is his last name from SMU. Um, so they might be willing to. I'm not saying it's next to stone, but do I still think they might trade him? I think it's a possibility just because I, I just think they're tired of his antics and tired of – though he's – he hasn't done anything majorly wrong. He hasn't committed any sort of domestic abuse. He's not been tapped with any type of drug charges or any of those things that warrant wait, major – Wait, wait, wait. Did you not see that video with the weed? Well, we just, they don't really nothing know. is they nothing don't. is nothing is hasn't been clearly defined yet. <laughs> right. right, exactly, exactly. Um, I, yeah, I think it might be, you know, but uh, I just think that the Giants are kind of just tired of the shenanigans. Um, you know, the whole kicking the football net, <laughs> drawing attention to himself. I mean, I understand he's very passionate. You know, they they talk about him his is being passionate, like how Tom Brady's passionate and screaming, carrying on on the sideline. But um, I know the Giants is, uh, you know, has a, a side of a style, a side of clash, I guess, class that they like to portray. And I guess OBJ is just not portraying the class that they would want, in my opinion. And that's why I think they want to let him go. I mean, not personal. I mean. It's strictly just the image thing, not so much a production stat thing, in my opinion. I'm a Giants fan, and to be perfectly honest, I have no idea what the hell they're going to do. I mean, the brand, I, I really don't at this particular point. I mean, um, the Rams, are, 
The Rams are definitely rumored to be strong suitors, but the Brandon Cooks deal, I was, oof, I was, I was surprised, but not surprised because that's the Patriots where they always trade guys before they have to pay them. Apparently, they went to them and tried to give them a, a, an extension, but the deal was not that high. It was kind of low, and he didn't want to. He didn't want to sign, or he didn't. They weren't agreeing to the numbers, so of course they trade him before they have to pay him or lose him for anything, and got back, you know, draft picks, which was always shrewd on them. I didn't think they were. I was surprised when they got Brandon Cook last year, and then. They got rid of Brandon Cook. They got rid of Butler. They got rid of Lewis all before they had to pay him. But they all still got something back. Well, not Lewis. I think Deion Lewis left him his own accord. But uh, but definitely Brandon Cooks. I mean, they didn't. They gave him a contract to sign. He didn't like it or he didn't like the deal. They wanted to renegotiate, so they just traded him. So I don't know. It's a lot. It's interesting over there. He's gone. Maybe Gronk is gone. Who knows? But um. It's going to be interesting over there in New England to see what happens after after the draft. But OBJ, I don't know. I I agree with you, Al. If he is not traded before the first pick drops in the draft, then he's going to stay. Um, do I think he could, he could get traded? Yeah. Do I think they will? I think if they got a deal that really rocked their world, I think they will, but they're in no position to, they don't have to do anything at the end of the day. They can keep them. And I think you keep them because once you get rid of OBJ, basically you're signaling that you are in serious rebuild mode. So if your decision is to trade OBJ and get back, you're not going to get back the same type of player or the same type of receiver unless you trade him to Pittsburgh and get Antonio Brown back. And we know that ain't happening. So if you're trading them, you're trading them for picks, you know, for this year and next year, which means you're in serious rebuild mode. So that case, then you should have just say, Eli, your time is done. Because why keep Eli with a bunch of draft picks and rookies if you're going to, you know, if you're trying to win now? So I think that they could have tried to trade Eli earlier and got something for him. There's a lot of suitors out there. But all the teams that got quarterbacks are all are all stacked. So. If you, trade, if you trade OBJ, then you best you best get a QB with that second round draft pick. Don't fuck around and, and, and um and send it away because if you're not completely sold and telling the public that um the kid you drafted from the third third round is going to be the heir apparent, and if you trade OBJ, that means you're doing a basic serious overhaul rebuild. You better get a QB with that second pick, and they're not going to trade that second pick. If they trade OBJ, they're not trading the second pick. So, if they keep OBJ, they're more likely to trade down and get some more ancillary pieces, like some more offensive. They need offensive linemen, defensive linemen, a running back. They need a lot more holes to fill than a wide receiver, and you know, outside of that. But then, doesn't it make uh, what was your coach's name before y'all fired him? Then it kind of kind of makes him look like he kind of knew what he was doing when he benched Eli for the sense to try to see what the what y'all could have possibly had because he kind of uh, – was he kind of prophesizing what possibly could have happened? No, he did what the owners did. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. The owners, midway through the season after we got beat by San Francisco, right yeah, after that game – I'm mad at y'all too. <laughs> 
see, you messed yourself up. I told you should have sat Jimmy G down to be um, <laughs> but you started him and lost your second pick. But after San Francisco um, lost, the owners came out and said, "We want to start the transition into a you know to a you know a new QB." and had his people go out there and his scouts go out there and start scouting all the QBs that were going to come out, you know, early in the pick. Eli doesn't get – that plan doesn't just go without the owners, you know, say so. They don't come to Eli and saying, we're going to sit you down and start, you know, Gino or the other kid, really Gino, to see what the other people got without the owners signing off on that one. So the owners, you know, knew, knew what they wanted to do McAdoo probably saw like, hey, you know, if I'm going to be here for the long haul, I need a cube. I need to see what we got in the cupboard. If we a keep the kid that we drafted a third round pick, or b go into this draft because we're probably going to get a high draft pick and pick a QB. So the Giants, in my opinion, knew what they want to do all along. I think they're probably going to end up keeping the second pick unless they trade the Buffalo, which it's it's fifty fifty. They're going to keep the pick and they're probably going to pick a QB because you wouldn't have went all around the bend doing what you did with Eli if it was A, a certainty that Eli was definitely going to be your starter, which he is, and B, the kid that you drafted a third-round pick should have been your number two, not Geno. And the fact that you didn't activate the kid all year to even get him into the game until the end of the season means that they didn't think that highly of him anyway. Tell him why you mad. <laughs> so, like. Me, I don't know, but I don't think if they keep if they keep OBJ, they're more likely to trade that, that second pick. But they're gonna okay. they're, they're gonna want to be in a win now mode to try to get what they can out of Eli. But uh, if the Giants don't address the other needs of uh, shoring up the O line, um. Addressing running back, uh, uh, a team, an offensive team does. Uh, an offense can't rely just on the QB and wide receiver. I mean, they can do dips, but obviously, you need a run game. Well, you know what? I take that back because the Patriots do whatever the heck they do with a bunch of misfits in Tom Brady. Successful, <laughs> so the system, baby. Yeah, tell me about it. I, I, I don't know. It, it just seems to me as far as with OBJ, uh, the Giants are taking a huge gamble because if what their belief, say they keep the number two pick, say they get their quarterback, um, do you truly think that OBJ is going to sit there and say, well, you know what? I'm willing to hope that this QB, whomever may, they may believe uh, the Giants take, could turn out to be like a Weiss, a Wentz, excuse me, or um, Goff. Because QBs like that come around every how many years? I mean, you have the, the kids, the guys that came in with, uh, when you had uh, Marino, not Marino, um, Elway, Ken O'Brien, that whole QB6 that came in, it was dominating the league because all of them were really nice. And then you had – it's very rare that you find a, a QB class and a draft class that come in and really dominate the league. So do you think OBJ is going to be willing to stick around to say, I hope that they could turn around and be this quarterback 
Because honestly, I don't see that type of quarterback coming out. You know, I think it's it's hit and miss in my opinion. But that's yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just talking out the side of my mouth at this point because I don't I don't have much faith in any of the quarterbacks. I I like Baker Mayfield just because of his boxing. Doesn't necessarily mean he's going to prove anything in the NFL. You know, he's cocky, he's brass, but he plays a decent style of quarterback. But I don't have faith in Darnold or 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 Rosen. I mean, what the hell? They they play like crap for both these squads <laughs> this past season. But yet they're clamoring all over him because of mechanics. I'm like, whatever. But then here's the question: Do you trust the quarterback coaches to develop them into the be the the player that they can be, the potential? Um, that's really what the bottom line is because at the end of the day, as much as we say about the New England Patriots and their system, they also have good development coaches um, to get to the be the, I mean, they take their backups like Jimmy, um, for example, turn them into stars if Brady is out. And then, of course, they utilize that to trade them to like the San Francisco. Same thing with the other um, quarterbacks that they had that was back up to Tom Brady. Um, so the question is, is that is it all not just about the system as well, but also the quarterback coaches that are developing these quarterbacks that's coming or coming into the draft? Um, is the potential there for them to be all that they can be? I think that's something that all, all the teams is looking at at this point. If I recall, and I, I could be wrong when I say this, but if I recall, I could have I could I could have sworn I heard Wentz in a conversation say that they took a portion of his office that he ran out in North Dakota or South Dakota, wherever he went to school, and brought it with him uh, to the Eagles. Not like the entire office, but a portion of it to kind of keep him comfortable and make it so that he can perform better and think less when uh, running the offense. And that's what kind of uh, accelerated his growth as far as being the QB that he was this past season. Um, the sad thing about it is a lot of NFL teams don't don't like that philosophy. I don't understand that the kid was great in college. I, you know, they always talk about the, the college game can't translate into to the NFL because the defenses are too smart. But obviously, Philly did something right with the portions of the offense that they brought over because ain't nobody in the NFL stopped it. You know, so I, I, that's that's the thing that really perplexes me when teams go out and draft these quarterbacks is like they don't really give a damn about what particular office that they that they came from in college. They just want to try to fit the you know the round hole in the, into the square peg or the square peg into the round hole, whichever way where it doesn't fit. But not only that, I think that as far as the Eagles is concerned, they've done that not just with Carson Wentz, but in previous um, years as well. Like we saw with the development with Nick Foles um, when he was running that office with Andy Reid. I think that those are the type of developments where they was developing the quarterbacks from start to finish. Even when they had brought in Mark San Sanchez to replace Nick Foles, who got injured, I think that he got comfortable with some of the developments that the coach, the quarterback coaches did with him and maybe ran some plays to, that he was comfortable with as well. So I agree with you. It, I, I don't understand why a lot of NFL teams doesn't do that on a regular basis. I think you're going to start seeing a little bit more of that, you know, now the pipeline. I think you saw um, 
you know, Daniels did with Jared Goff over there, you know, with the Rams. I mean, he was looking like a bust, you know, his first season. And then second season, you get you bring in a young kid, you know, he kind of tells the offense that will best suit Goff's needs and suits his abilities. Didn't try to say this is our offense. You learn it no matter what. He built around what best worked for him. And look what happened. Boom. Now, you know, they're, you know, they're up in the mix. I mean, I think you're going to see a lot more of these young guys are going to start taking that approach of let's take what you had in college that we know work well, adapt it to our system. And then, like you said, they let them get comfortable with that, what they did with Carson Wentz, because they did do that. And then you build upon what he has. Okay, now you got the core of what you do. Let's build our offense around what you do best. And we'll utilize those plays that you use and then move forward. So I think I, I agree. I think a lot of the uh, QBs in this draft now, a lot of people aren't aren't that high on them. I mean, there's not a, a quote-unquote person that you got to get. I think the fact that the Browns are not even sure whether they're going to be Sam Darnold, you know, Josh Allen, even though his own, his coach, you know, Moore is trying to sour the milk <laughs> for the Browns with the comments that he made. But um, I don't know. It's going to be a toss-up. But like I said, I have, at this point, no idea what the Giants are going to do. I could wake up tomorrow morning and he could – they could very well trade at OBJ, and I would be slightly surprised, but it wouldn't shock the hell out of me because this offseason has just been, you know, a wild <laughs> ride, to say the least. So so you're coming off of your 100% no way the Giants trade them. So now your optimism is, is dropped a little bit. Well, I'm sticking to the fact that I have no idea what they're going to do, but I – my gut tells me they're not going to trade them, but I, I – Honestly, I I don't know what they're gonna do. If you want to keep his brand and his and his image and everything, you know, if you want to keep that same, then you ride it out with New York, or you go to L.A. Oh, can't do that right now. So <laughs> where are you gonna go next? So um, hell, the Giants could be real damn spiteful and trade his ass to the um, Cleveland Browns. Oh, oh, and Cleveland will happily take him happily. And let them have to worry about paying them twenty plus million a year. <laughs> I think they would too. They would, and fuck the whole shit up. So, um, <laughs> while we're almost about to run out of time, of course, we want to get to Ace's favorite uh, pastime, baseball, which had its opening weekend and week coming up right now. So, um, of course, the Houston Astros raised their banner, or at least attempted to, until they asked to go up there and kick off the. <laughs> kick off the- Kicking off the cape to show their um their pennant, I mean their um their banner for the World, um, the World Series. Um, so it looks like you know it's starting off pretty good. Ace, um, your Yankees had their home opening yesterday. I actually watched majority of that game. Uh, Carlos Stanton got booed at the bottom of the eighth when he struck out for the fifth time. And Didi was a one man show. So uh. Um, what do you think about baseball so far? What do you think about your Yankees, you know, first six games? Uh, well, it's baseball. Well, you know, they two teams in six games, though. So. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, it's to be expected, you know. It's very rare. It's not to say that no team can go undefeated in baseball in first ten games. is possible. But <laughs> everybody's still kind of working out the kinks. It's still kind of cold outside, depending on where you play. Obviously, Yankees had their, one of their games postponed due to snow. Um, I tell you what, though, out here in Baltimore, the sky is falling. <laughs> folks are folks are ready to pack it in about the Orioles already. So 
it's always interesting to hear sports radio down in this way because, you know, I can't stand the Orioles. So it, gives, it makes me all feel giddy and warm inside knowing that their fan base is cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I look forward to it. Like, just like you said, Stan struck out five times a day. Then what happened yesterday, then what happens today? Stanton, Judge, and Sanchez all go yard in the same game. And D.D. probably had a very quiet, modest game because he didn't have to provide any power because they did. Um, I just think it's just going to be a, a hosh-posh of whoever's hot at the time. But God forbid if if the Yankees, their, pair, their top six guys in the lineup all are hot at the same time. I feel sorry for opposing pitches because, I mean, that is as close to a murderer's row from one through six that any any pitcher could possibly face with uh, Gardner, you know, in the leadoff spot. You got you got Judge batting second, freaking uh, Stanton third, DD fourth, Sanchez fifth. Shit, I mean, if I'm a pitcher, I don't want to face that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, mean, I think it's going to be a great season. Uh, I know once it gets a little bit warmer outside, I will definitely be uh, following them more. I'm hoping I can catch a game when they come out to Baltimore and uh, wear some Yankees gear and pride <laughs> as they demolish the birds. <laughs> um, well, right now I can honestly see Orioles fans turning to become Nationals fans at this point. Um, but I digress. With so much going on, and like you said, it's the start of the MLB season. Um, Right now, you know, I can honestly see the Yankees and Red Sox going back and forth um, in the division. Um, to be honest, I, that's, I, I can honestly see that. Um, and I agree with Ace. Even though the Yankees eventually will get hot, I still think that it's still going to be some type of battle going on, especially between the top teams in the East. And I mean, in the, um, not the East, the, um, uh, the American division. Um, National-wise, it's going to be a toss-up. Um, still think Houston is going to still be up in there, but it's too early to tell. Um, definitely love to see how things progress going towards the, I mean, going towards the summer um, with MLB. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll see how everything is, and we'll start to see teams that are hot die down, and we'll see the true team stand out during the summer. So, look forward to MLB. Yeah, and you know, during the um, you know. Baseball season, I, you know, I definitely defer to Ace's uh, expertise on this one. As I, I'm, I'm a passing fan when it comes to baseball. Just really <laughs> got into it in my uh, last couple of years. But obviously, the, the fans of Philly um, are already crying the blues with the with the Phillies. <laughs> so I think the um, the streak of championship stops at Villanova. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, let me ask you a quick question. Who won the NIT, the NIT though? Because Penn State was the fi- in the finals, too. Penn State? Uh, Penn State won it, right? Yeah. Three. Oh, well, they don't. They don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Happy Valley. That's their own little cult community. <laughs> Trust me, if they, were, if they were talking about the, the Penn State NIT, you would have heard that, but you know, Philadelphia, you know, TV land around here. So it's, it's Nova right about now. So, but, ooh, um, ooh, ooh, can I give a shout out to, uh, to Robert Griffith, the third, for inking the deal with the Baltimore Ravens. 
Shout out to RG3. Shout out to him to get another mobile quarterback getting a second opportunity or third opportunity in his case. Here's the hoping that Cap will get his time to shine and sign this year as well. I think this is a uh, think the NFL is hopefully turning the corner. And uh, but shout out to RG three. May you not screw this up. <laughs> Well, I mean, they, I read up the, uh, the backstory on that. They brought them on initially just to, I guess, throw passes to some of their receivers or, or, or some of their um, guys they um looking to bring on. They liked his workout. They liked his, um, his effort. And um, they decided to bring him on for a one-year contract. So, to Matt, the RG3, I think if you were talking about you want a one-last chance, you know, this is the definition of, you know, <laughs> one-last chance. So, kudos to him. Cap is not there, and obviously the owner of the Baltimore Ravens didn't have to go to the Ravens fans to seek approval to get him on. So I stand to the fact that Colin Kaepernick will never see the field playing in the NFL ever again. If Manziel gets a contract before Cap, that's when you know. No need to you ain't gotta tell me that. I mean RG three was 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 that was enough. I did. I did. It's like we'll give you one. We'll give you one. <laughs> All right, well, the guys, that is our time right now. So uh we enjoy everyone, you know, listening, subscribing to the podcast. Um if you have any comments, questions, or anything you want to talk about, definitely um send us in, send us the feedback. Um, so, guys, as we're about to wind down, let them know where they can find you at. Well, you can find me on Twitter, uh, CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Again, I am Al Qualls. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and you can find me on the gram at J.E. Ross, the number seven, at... And folks, that is it. And as we always say, peace, love, and soul. And we'll see you everybody out there. And a little bit of chillers. <laughs> I don't eat chillers, though. I may be big, but I don't eat chillers. <laughs> they nasty. Yeah. They, and they smell. Yeah. I blame my, 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 my folks down south for trying to put me on to that. But I digress. Yeah. Yeah. Peace out, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Who says? God bless. <laughs>